This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, Innovations in Enrollment Management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com. Folks, uh, it's uh, Shane Sparks and Greg Nicoljohn here from Enrollment Resources, and today we're going to share with you our thoughts on uh, the difference between branding, which is a very popular term in marketing that's bandied about often, and what we call the the ugly uh, second cousin uh, direct response marketing. And so, what I th- we thought we would do today in this uh, time we have together is um, just go through a few questions that people have asked us over the years um, uh, and just give you a bit of a primer and give you some insights on the, the healthy way and the unhealthy way to brand and the healthy and the unhealthy way to use direct response marketing. But I think, Shane, what's first uh, is, um, oh, and we're going to give you, um, pass the notes and the recording on later on for those that are interested. So, um, first of all, Shane, I think what we'd like to do is talk about what is branding, what is direct response marketing, what is top of mind awareness, just uh, give people that are don't fully understand a bit of a base. So let's start with branding. In your view, what what's branding? Hey, Greg. Branding is creating, in my view, branding is creating a, a a positive predisposition towards your school, and so in the marketplace in general. And so it's it's having people. Um, kind of be aware of who you are and have a positive impression about your business. I think that's okay. fundamentally it. And, and my the definition I've often used is branding is uh, an insurance policy for consumers. So if they're um, out shopping and there's uh, Campbell's soup and there is no-name soup, um, th- their experience having the Campbell's soup is, an, is a predictable one. Um, They've branded through their product, so insurance policy, and and so yeah. Shane, I guess that has value, doesn't it? Sure, it has a ton of value. Having people be sort of pre-oriented towards choosing you over a competitor has uh, massive value. Yeah, no, having a strong brand is really uh, a huge asset in a business. The, so I guess really, the, what we're going to get into is the devils in the details. So. If you if you go and achieve your branding um, uh, superiority the wrong way, it can wreck your business. And if you do it the right way, it can make your business. And there's really no in between, is there? Well, yeah, that's the the kind of nut of it that I'm. We'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. There is often a confusion between advertising and branding, and um, in our view, they're 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 two different things. So we'll get into that in two a minute. Yeah, well, along those lines, then we've got this um, this uh, thing that that people hear about on occasion called direct response marketing. So let's yeah, talk about so, that. Sure. Direct response marketing is about getting people to specifically identify themselves as having interests in your school. And so whereas a brand, creates, the goal of branding is to create kind of a broad predisposition towards choosing you, Direct response is about getting specific people to raise their hand and contact you so that they can be part of your admissions process. Got it. So, so while similar uh, on the surface, somewhat similar, um, very, very different from a business function. 
Well, well, it is, yeah, because, of course, it's very measurable. You know, how many people did we get to respond? What did it cost us? And that's, you know, you know there's terms, the cost per lead, cost per start kind of terms. Those are metrics that are only possible from direct response marketing. Gotcha. You can't okay, do a cool. cost per lead on branding. Okay, so, and, and that's where there's a, there's a big controversy, um, and that is with the, um, there's the, the whole media industry, the, the, the advertising industry, they have, through their salespeople, have encouraged businesses to um, achieve branding through advertising for years and years and years, and by just relentlessly pummeling people with repeated sales efforts over the years, um, many businesses have succumbed, and as a result, you, you have what's called top-of-mind awareness advertising, or the, what we call TOMA advertising, um, spread all throughout newspapers, TV stations, uh, radio stations, and so there's this, this big movement towards, historically, to, to do advertising to build a brand. Now, Shane... There's controversy about this, but what do you, what do you think? Well, it, it is. The, I think the controversy is simple: is the the measurements of success for top of mind awareness, you know, for branding through top of mind awareness are things like key rating points and 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 share of market in in like media reach, and so they measure it in terms of they call reach and frequency. And the challenge with reach and frequency is that it doesn't really it isn't really a healthy measurement of whether it's helping you feed your admissions team with enough people to fill the funnel and fill your programs and, you know, prosper as a business. So that's kind of the first problem with it. The second problem with it is is a kind of an elephant and mouse situation. The ad agencies and, and the, the kind of like the branding forces that exist in the marketplace, they use big, big companies as examples of successful branding. And that's typically how they pitch it to, to, you know, to smaller businesses. And they'll say, hey, you know, Coke has a, a brand, you know, don't you want to have a brand like Coke? Or don't you want to, you know, Microsoft or McDonald's or Walmart? Or, you know, they, they pick these massive companies to use as examples of successful brands. And the problem, of course, is that those companies are massive enterprises. They're elephants. Most of us are little mice in the, you know, in the grand scheme of things. We run little small enterprises that have a regional reach at best. And when you look at what created those brands in the first place, you know, how Coke got to be Coke or how McDonald's got to be McDonald's, it's got nothing to do with advertising. And so... The, the ad agencies sell this on the notion that you need to advertise your way to beat to prominence when, in fact, the companies that are prominent, the companies they use as these examples, didn't advertise their way to it. It came through a different means. That makes so sense. Really, it does, Shane. I think um, to refine it, I think branding in advertising works in a couple of scenarios, and you sort of touched on it um, a bit there. And in retail, when you're selling a consumable item um, or when you're, you're dealing with 
like a mega corporation like Toyota or what have you, um, having that brand is a, a defensive position. It's a way to go and push um, competitors away and to, to create a, 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 to communicate your prominence, your unique um, selling proposition. And, and so there are certain products like Coke and Campbell Soup and companies that were started in the 1920s that they're really in the real estate business as retailers. They, they have linear feet of, of, of um, uh, shelving that they have to protect to keep their product in front of consumers. And so that kind of branding is defensive in nature and pretty essential to keeping those guys going. But I think what you spoke to is there's the rest of us, the hundreds of millions of businesses, and then there's maybe a thousand businesses that could benefit from branding against the hundred million that can't through advertising. Now, the other thing, yeah, exactly. And there's one more thing, Shane, and, and that is pertaining to schools. Branding through advertising tends to work with something where there's a repetitive interaction like um, mostly consumer goods in, in, in um, uh, grocery stores. And, and so with education, it tends to be a, a one-time event. And, and so branding for that one-time event is insanely expensive. And I think really what we're kind of getting to in this message chain is that if you had a bottomless pit of money, branding won't hurt you. But most people have to work to a budget. I remember, if I could just finish my point, Shane, I remember you coming to me once and saying, hey, uh, I've just gone and, and monitored this uh, school's uh, TV campaigning. And uh, you want to know what the cost per ad was on, on their TV campaign? And I go, what? And he said, you said, infinity. And I went, what? And he said, yeah. They spent twenty thousand bucks and they haven't got one lead. And we looked and we went, "Oh, it's a, it's a brand-based ad campaign." So, I think that kind of puts a point on it, hey? Well, it does. And, and we'll, I think you know we should dig into what is effective branding in a second. I, I do have one more thing I want to say on this, as relates yeah, to advertising. As relates to advertising, the. Um, oh. I throw a blank. I had a great insight, and it's and it blew. It came and went. It'll come to me. That that's okay. You're a, you're. Oh yeah, you're, I've got my thought back. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Fire away. When you look at the companies, like let's use University of Phoenix as an example, right? Sure. Phoenix and what they started 1979 as a little, you know, had as an idea more than anything, and the idea was that hey. Uh, People in their 30s and 40s don't have a viable um, option for going back to school and finishing their degree. The university system is organized to serve uh, 19, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, you know, kids out, of high, uh, kids out of high school. And if you're 35 with a mortgage and a couple of kids, it's not really viable for you to go back to school with a bunch of 20-year-olds, and so they were pretty much hooped. So that was the notion. So they defined this niche, um, university for adults. And 
that was a revolutionary idea in 1979 because nobody was doing it and nobody was really interested in doing it. So Phoenix just started there. What happened was there turned out to be a massive market for people in their 30s and 40s that want to go back and get a degree or complete their degree, sort of the working adult education, which was really the beginning of the entire kind of executive MBA and the precursor to what's the, now what's a huge industry in online education, which primarily serves that market. Now, that was a, a position they took in the market, which was the foundation of their brand. And what that did is it allowed them to become a, you know, a two-plus billion-dollar company over the last 30 years. Now, today, you could not spend enough money on advertising to replicate that. Even if you had an unlimited budget, you could not become Phoenix through advertising. Greg, so, you have a lot of insight into the importance of positioning as a foundation of a brand and how positioning works. Could you talk on that for a sec? Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about it first from our perspective. Um, we, we went and created a, a foundation for our business around pursuing the truth. And the subset of that is testing everything that moves. And, and what we landed on was that around internet marketing, as an example, um, it was a real mistake for schools to go and, and use too much, uh, too much in the way of internet portals. And we were a strong advocate of, um, of uh, doing your own or having a, somebody do it for you, but controlling your own internet marketing. And, and we were just walking into a strong headwind and we were, I'm, those portal people for years would mock us, and but that was the position that we chose. And, and now who's laughing last as these portals are scrambling like rats because the Federal Trade Commission in the U.S. are starting to investigate them. So um, th that is an example of positioning. And, and now our, our company is of size and if we were to start this from scratch with, with an advertising campaign, there's just uh, nothing that we could do to achieve that. How we did this was we, we used, and, and folks, this is what you want to note, is the best way for the, the rest of us to create a strong um, brand, uh, brand is through public relations. And the underpinning of public relations, public relations or community relations, is simply the communication um, effort for what was called positioning. And positioning is what you stand for money aside. So that's where the education field is tremendous opportunity to create strong positions. And sadly, many owners, uh, they get lazy and greedy. Uh, and, and so here's what it is. You... You have somebody, say, in the cosmetology industry, and they schlep people through. They don't demand that they, they work to standards. They don't offer continuing education. They don't, they, they're, they're not willing to be sharp in creating a world-class offering and setting themselves apart um, and making the cosmetology career a fantastic career. And, and so the, the, there's a missed opportunity there. Whereas if you can go and position yourself as a unique 
differentiated offering that will solve a problem and will create joy in someone's life, then then the PR, public relations and community relations is very, very easy. Whole Foods, they dedicated to having fantastic health food in a grocery store and they have built their whole business with virtually no advertising. The Body Shop, um, dedicated to really uh, their, their concept of, of uh, cosmetics and soaps and whatnot, their advertising budget is one quarter of 1%. But they don't use rabbits for testing. They don't kill elephants. They, they're, they're, that's their point of differentiation. Walmart, um, it sells more than Kroger, Sears, uh, K, um, Kmart, uh, Costco combined. And, um, and their, their whole thing is around consistent product at low price with huge selection. So it really, advertising, Shane and I call this polishing a turd, folks. Shane, there's nothing that can screw up a, a mediocre offering than a great advertising campaign. Wouldn't you say? Well, yeah, well, absolutely. Let's talk about what is effective branding. You know, we've painted a negative picture of it. It's obviously, so branding is not a thing you do through advertising. Advertising is a thing you use to generate leads. Advertising is fundamentally a lead generation um, medium. What is is effective ways to brand the business? The most effective way from our perspective, folks, is that you need to create a go-to relationship with the 100 largest employers of your graduates. That's the first step you need to build out in your branding, uh, uh, branding your organization. Those who, um, who love your offering um, and contribute to how, how to shape your offering will um, hire your students. They will give you referrals, testimonials. They'll give you back-channel referrals of people they like but are under-trained. They will speak on your behalf at trade associations. So that's called wholesale branding. Um, and then moving to retail branding, that's where you want to take your unique differentiation, your niche, and you want to start communicating it out into the world um, through media. And so that could be done through guest blogging uh, on the Internet. It could be done by publishing articles. It can be uh, done through um, a traditional media, a newspaper, radio, and but the whole underpinning is what, folks, if you, if somebody from the universe came down and said, you don't have to worry about money anymore for the rest of your life, but this is what you have to do for a living. What would you do to your product offering to make it world class? How would you set the world on fire? How would you change the world to make it better? And then after you go through that inventory, then ask yourself, I can do this. Why can't I do this? And then that is your position. Jane, I'm kind of rambling a bit here, but... Yeah, no, no, um, it's, it's, you're, 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 you're on point, and it's a difficult thing to communicate. I think, Greg, if I could just feed it back to you in a slightly different way, what, what I'm hearing you say is the foundation of branding is your position in the market. And the position comes from what you stand for, the values, your unique selling proposition, as you said. That's the first thing. 
The second thing Correct. around branding is the relationships with the employers. That's the foundation because ultimately we are in the getting people jobs business. We are not in the training them business. And if we are not credible with employers and employers don't view us as a preferred labor source over our competitors, then we fail in our mission to get students jobs. Is that correct? That's, that's exactly right. And, Third, and I... Yes, go ahead. Sorry. No, no you go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I, Third, I'm just, uh, Yes? Third is the kind of public relations, uh, community relations stuff. And so that would be getting uh, PR in newspapers, uh, you said the guest blogging. I would add community relations into that. So what are things we do to reach out within our community so we're known and viewed in a positive light? And again, your ability to get PR is directly related to the strength or weakness of your story, and your story comes out of your position. Shane, you've nailed it on the head. The PR and community relations is merely a, a tactic, and the tactic is only as strong as your position, and your position is only strong as your core offering and how you change the world in a positive way. Yes, that's right. And then now, a subset of this, which we haven't really talked about, but this is where social media comes in. There's been a ton of chatter over the last couple of years around social media. Should I be on Facebook? How do we do Facebook? Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, blah, 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 blogging. What social media, how should we be doing? How much effort should we be putting into social media? After, so, you know, this is a question we've asked internally for years now. Where do we slot this in? After months and months of debate, we finally came to the conclusion that social media is simply a subset of PR. That's all it is. It's just a different PR channel. It is not a lead generation tactic. It is about nurturing relationships and in a forum to communicate a story. So, Shane, let me feed that back to you. So, if um, the, the, let's use LinkedIn as an example. It's a place where employees and employers hang out and they trade best practice around their work and their industry and uh, they go looking for jobs and looking to hire people. That's the forum for LinkedIn. And so by trying to sell inside that forum when people are just trying to connect up, um, that is a, a form of, um, that, that's an opportunity for public relations. Because what happens is, the groups of people, the populations that sit inside LinkedIn and Facebook are like kind of like the readership of a newspaper or the listenership of a, a radio station. But you, you cannot, it's like uh, they say that, that Google is like the library and uh, Facebook is like the cafeteria. So imagine there's eight or ten people talking about hockey and then you, you over a coffee and you come and sit down and they don't know who you are, and you just start sell, trying to sell them something, they'll be repulsed. And so that's the mistake people make is they try to take social media and turn it into a, an advertising vehicle when, in fact, it's a branding vehicle. Correct. Let's talk about the healthy and unhealthy ways to use direct response. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, Sure, sure, can I jump in on that one? Yeah, far away. 
So just to build on your point there, running ads and promotions and trying to generate leads on your Facebook page or on in, in your LinkedIn account or through your Twitter or through your blog, those would be unhealthy ways to try to generate leads. Because Shane, what, Shane why? Why unhealthy? Well, just for exactly the reason you mentioned. That's the equivalent of sitting down at the table and uh, at a group of people you don't know and starting to give them a pitch. It's repulsive. So if I may just uh, feed back to you then. So there's two types of advertising. There's opt-in advertising and then there's interruption advertising. So really what you're talking about is the type of advertising where somebody's merrily on their way, da-da-da, and you're you're interrupting them. Is that what you're getting at? Correct. I remember, I remember Shane, we had a client, um, a vocational school client, who insisted that we design ads for um, uh, the, um, their school to go on urinals, uh, in fr- up above urinals in bars. And we were highly reluctant, and they kind of yelled at us and told us to do it. And you made a brilliant ad of this guy... Um, I think the tagline you landed on was um, quit pissing your life away. And it was very clever and ha, ha, ha. But absolutely no results from that advertising. No, none. That was, I forgot about that one. That was funny. It was, that was funny. Our, that was our, uh, you know, we'll cave to the client years. Yeah, that, and it's self-indulgent and aren't we clever. And But did we... Um, pursue the truth there? No, not at all. And, and so interruption advertising, Shane, is different from opt-in advertising, which I guess is really search engines, the classified section of the paper, that kind of thing? Well, that's it. That's right. It's where people are seeking something out and you, you know, position yourself to be found. That's a great place to advertise. So that's why AdWords, Google AdWords or Bing is so effective, because they're seeking something out. And uh, if you have a we- effective campaign, you can position yourself to be the one that they find. It's great. Classified sections in the newspaper can be great. Um, uh, so, so there is one tactic, Shane, where you can take advantage of int- uh, interruption advertising and turn it into opt-in advertising. And that's by taking uh, interruption advertising, interrupting people once, and then inviting them to opt into a nurture campaign. Yes. Yes, you that's wanna... right. Or to, or to take a baby step. But it's, it, the, 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 my personal view of it, I don't, I don't want to saddle you with this one, though I think you'll probably agree with me, is that um, marketing is courtship. And what I mean by that is the same principles of courtship apply to marketing. You don't you don't ask somebody to marry you on the first date. You, or when you first meet somebody, you have a coffee, right? Hey, let's you know, have a coffee, you know, which is a low-risk way to you know, figure out if this person is someone you want to spend time with. You know, you could ask 100 people to go and marry you on the first date, and um, you'll have one crazy person say yes, um, but the other 99 will hate you so much and think you're such a nut bar that the collateral damage all around you is just horrendous, and you you take one step forward and make it 99 steps back. And I guess that's kind of what you're talking about in terms of poorly constructed advertising. Well, that's exactly that is 
you know, we and and so, you know, clients or, you know, people naturally would rather skip all those steps in marketing. And so this is when, you, you know, we get in conversations where they say, hey, I just want to say enroll now, or why can't they just phone us and enroll, right? So you put that in the ad, just phone to enroll. And the clients want that because, of course, it would be easier if it was if we could just put an ad out and then people would come and roll and it would be perfect. It would save a whole bunch of steps. But it's not realistic because it doesn't honor human nature and it doesn't honor the rules of courtship, which is that right. we kind of got to get to know each other a little bit and I'm not going to commit to some big relationship with you until I feel like it's in my best interest. And that's why... Things like, you know, an information kit or request information is effective because it's a little baby step somebody can take that is not very scary and allows them to kind of ease into that. It's a, it's a, it's a coffee date versus, a, you know, a, a vacation together. Got it. So baby steps are the key. And, baby steps uh, are the key. And if you have an interruption, if you're tra- wanting to interrupt somebody in a newspaper, a radio station, Facebook, then you need to point them right away to a place that they can um, opt in and agree to be nurtured. So uh, opt-in advertising is basically where you promise somebody a benefit over time, um, give them a little taste of your school, give them some uh, articles to read, some um, exercises to complete, and it gets pushed out to them in a repetitive manner. manner. Now, we know repetition uh, creates familiarity, which creates trust. And large-ticket intangibles, you need to absolutely have that basis of trust before people are willing to take the next step. Now, the problem with advertising is that to create that repetitive, what's called frequency, it's uber crazy expensive and it wipes out your whole uh, revenue base. So instead what you want to do is is invite people to a taste of program and then you can communicate with them in a repetitive fashion over a couple of years for free. Free is a great price, eh, Shane? Free is a great price. And so, yeah, and, and so Greg, what you're really talking about is another branding strategy that or that top of mind awareness that that um you know we we led this talk off with um that is a best accomplished after somebody has become a lead and so when if you use those direct response strategies to generate the leads and then you use the the nurturing um repetitive contact that's the top of mind awareness that over time creates branding creates a branding as we defined it at the beginning of this talk which was a predisposition towards um, affinity for a business. And that's where the courtship analogy comes in, is if there's a, a spark of interest combined with a number of coffee dates and kind of low-risk activities, then um, you can create a foundation for something better, something deeper. Is that what you're... That's exactly it. Then love blossoms. I, I kind of sounded like a girl there. <laughs> you did. Yeah, but that's okay. It's okay. You're, you're uh, a sensitive guy, though. That's good. Hey, bud, we're over time. Yeah, I think it's time to say goodbye to our people. Um, folks, if you want to um, uh, get a, uh, a free report of this uh, ta- conversation or have a free uh, hour together to um, go through this with us, 
clients, you guys can have something a little nicer, which we'll tell you on the phone. I'd like you to text this following number. You ready? Okay, text this following number, 250-588-6931, 250-588-6931, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll set you up for uh, some goodies. Um, also, we're, Shane and I will hang out after here. Um, if you want to press star six and ask any informal questions of us, we're happy to, uh, to go and answer anything in an informal way. And so to respect your time, I think it's time to say goodbye. And uh, we'll see you again in a couple of weeks, I would say. Shane, yeah, any final words? No, thanks so much for your time, folks. I hope you helped. Or hope yeah, I hope helped. we helped. All the best, everyone. So, Shane, if you press star five again, I think it unmutes. Okay, I just I just did that. Okay. All right. Oh. Oh, there we go. Callers are unmuted. Yeah, there's a hit I hear. You know, uh, you talked about branding, and uh, you know uh, the one factor is the time. You know, how long does it take? Uh, we have one business for the last twenty years, and the brand is established, you know. So wherever we want to offer our seminars, anywhere in Canada, they, and that those seminars are received well. They know that we offer quality. The, uh, the other business, which is college, you know, the branding is not there. And if it is going to take us same 20 years, uh, you know, I won't be here. So... You know, is the how long does it take? How can it be expedited? You know, that's a great question uh, because you're you're right. You know, one of the biggest indicators of branding is time. So the people who have been around longer have a natural advantage over those that haven't. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that that's what I'm. Uh, I can see the difference between the two businesses I run. You know. Mm-hmm. Greg, Greg, do you want to take a crack, or you want me to go for it? No, I think you're doing a great job there, Shane. Okay. So the question is, how do you accelerate the branding? The answer is that you have, a, or the start of the answer is to have a specific market niche. That's the first thing. How, do you, how are you unique or different from competitors? And that's the foundation. It's, you know, there's different terms for it, positioning, unique selling proposition, but it's fundamentally what why should i pick you over somebody else and is it and is it sufficiently compelling for me to do that or are you just pretty similar to the competitors that's the first answer I, no I, I agree with you there you know because the uh, in the college you know i've got engineering programs and no nobody else uh, in my area has them and then i have in the college what all others have, you know, uh, like uh, we just started, you know, accounting and business administration and office administration, those kind of programs, everybody else has them. So yeah. for engineering, you know, they, uh, they, I get leads for engineering programs because if they go to uh, Google and they, uh, they are looking for electrical power distribution, 
So mm-hmm. uh, they have to come to me. Nobody else will come there because nobody else has them, you know. So, so one, one idea then is to, because you've got essentially commodity programs that aren't, you know, you're not competitive on. So yeah. one way to position is to more align them with your, um, with where you are strong, the engineering. And so you'd say you do, uh, you know, a generic business program. You, you become a, a business program with a specialization in, I don't know, serving engineering firms or serving, uh, you know, technology kind of firms. Or if you've got an office administrative program, it's office admin, admin for uh, engineering may be a bit tight and niche, but, you know, within a specific market sector. Yeah. And then what happens is your programs are all aligned around a certain employer group. And you differentiate from others in your market that have the same um, commodity programs. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, it does make sense, you know. <laughs> but I have to do my thinking, you know, how can I do it, you know. But it does Well, if sense. you want to, uh, here, if you would like to spend a bit of time with Shane on the phone and deepen the conversation, we'd be happy to give you some time. Okay. So, well, if, uh, first I have to do my homework, you know, so that then I'll... I may have questions, you know. Yeah, yeah well, you it'll bet. be informal. It's not going to be a sales pitch, I promise. What I'll do is I'll get uh, Paul to give you a call and, and, and see if you, you want to schedule uh, some time. Because this is a pretty big conversation. It's not. There's no quick tip solution to that problem. No, yeah. There is the, the already what you gave me, you know, that um, how can it be linked to where I'm strong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right, and different. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That okay, was a who, great question, though. Is there, is there anyone question. else on the call who has a question or a thought they want to share? I have a question. Yeah. Yes, I, um, I'm calling from uh, Miami, Florida, a highly competitive market down here. Yeah. Um, would you argue that uh, brand awareness and uh, direct response advertising is kind of like a catch-22? I mean, you need one and the other to work. Uh, with each other instead of um, mutually exclusive. I mean, in this area where the consumer has the power to turn you on, turn you off. Yeah. Um, you need to be more engaged, and therefore, you know, your brand needs to be more out there, and that will drive more DR. What What are your thoughts on that? Shane, Shane, shall I take a crack at this? Yeah, go for it, bud. All right. So, what the the, the you've, that's a great question. Um, what you have to um, really uh, understand is that you have to um, separate on the branding your product from your advertising. So, if you have a weak um, a weak product you can spend millions of dollars and you will just go nowhere. You, in fact, will go backwards. Um, if, you have, if you put the extra effort into having a world-class product in the eyes of the employers who are going to hire your grad, then what happens? You see, you don't need to be number one with a million people. You only need to be number one in the eyes of a few hundred people or 1,000 people, or 10,000 people. Mm-hmm. So, so what you're really getting into is how do I execute my brand in an efficient way? So again, the first thing you do is you 
you really connect tightly with the people who are going to be hiring your graduates. That's absolutely the first item. Then you get those 100 employers who are feeding you referrals and they're giving you testimonials and they're allowing you to use the testimonials in your advertising. Then what happens is this is called brand riding where you have some leaders in the employer community saying this is the best darn school going. This is a great place to go. When you get to that place, then you have the credibility of bigger, more successful established organizations that people know and they will um, flash on any promotional material that you do uh, or any public relations that you present. Does that make sense to you? It makes sense. I mean, I totally agree. Uh, without credibility, uh, people don't trust you, so therefore you're not even going to come across as an option, um, especially when they have, you know, 10 other schools to choose from. Um, yeah. But, so here's but, yeah, the, so here's, the credibility here's the and the trust is an issue, yeah. Yeah, here's the key. So the, the, the core, the secret sauce, the secret code here is you need to let the 100 employers who are going to hire your graduates or 50 or whatever the number is, get their mitts into your curriculum and get the, their mitts into how you, they, you want to exactly um, design your programming so that the graduates, when they leave uh, the school, are exactly what the employers are looking for. That's that's what you have to do. That's your core, your your step one function in building a brand. I see. I see. Well, thank you very much, guys. Yeah, was yeah. Yes, it was. Thank you very much. Great. Any other questions or thoughts? I think that's it, Shane. Well, I think our work's done. For those remaining, thanks so much for your time, and uh, we look forward to talking again soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.